isn't it good to know when it all seems like it's going bad that you can just pray? And you know what I've I've tried to learn, and uh, you know I, I I was telling that maybe on Wednesday night we were I was uh, telling the church I, I read something on prayer and and uh, the writer said even lost men say prayers. Right? A lot of times say, well, keep me in your prayers. Well, everybody prays, right? But not, not everybody prays. There's a whole different ball game to, to spending time with God in his, in his presence than just saying the words, right? I mean, it's, it, is a, it is a time of fellowship. And I, I think where we've, where we've lost a lot of our uh, resolve Right, because again, this world, brother Charles, we know according to the Bible, it's going to get worse and worse and worse until Jesus finally comes. And we look at it even today, and we'll say, "Well, you know what? It's bad. Jesus could come right now. It ain't that bad." Now, some of you look at me like preacher. It's bad. It's not that bad. I mean, we still have food, right? You don't believe it? I say it all the time. You think the economy is so bad? Then you go up to Chick Fil A. At breakfast time and lunch, and there's cars. So it's not that bad, right? It's not great, right? We say, look at all the wickedness. Yeah, I agree with that. But the Bible said, as it was in the days of Noah, that men's were, their minds were continually on evil, right? It doesn't seem to be that bad yet. Now, again, don't look at me cross eyed and say, well, I know it's bad. But I, I believe it's going to get much worse. I mean, we're, we're still relatively comfortable as Christians today. You know, we still, uh, even this morning, we came to church. We were able to do that. You had the choice to do that, right? So I'd say we're, we're not there yet. Now, on a personal level, you may be going through some trials right now. But I'm not looking at anybody that, that uh, you've had your head chopped off for preaching the gospel. So... I'd say this. See, we, we, we base everything off the American church because that's what we know. We'll say, well, you know, preacher, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not like it used to be back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. Well, what's, what's the problem? Well, it's, you know, contemporary music or it's this or it's that. No, it's us, right? Well, it's us. We, we've asked God to leave everything. We've asked him to leave the church, right? We've asked him to leave our homes. We've asked him to leave the government. We've asked him to leave schools. We've pretty much said, God, we don't want you here. Now, now you can have a form of godliness, right? But you've got to deny the power thereof. Y'all can play church over there at Currytown Baptist Church if you want to. Just, just, don't, just don't stand for anything, right? And we'll let you have your little service, and we'll let you, we'll let you do your little thing, and but don't don't go in the community and and try to reach people. Don't don't stand up for the Bible and don't don't make people feel uneasy about their sin. And we're okay with that. You you preach what we tell you to preach and what's acceptable, and then you're okay. Well, if you'll understand history, which again, they're trying to take history out of school. But if you understood history, that's the whole reason this country was started because the church was trying to tell Christians what they were going to do in England and what they were to believe. So we said, well, we've had enough of that. We want to serve God the way we want to. And now we're just right back in it. And so we, we got to understand that as bad as things get, we still have the outlet and we still have a place we could go, and it's called prayer. Amen. Right? 
And that may be, it may get to the point, Brother Bart, where really that's all we got left. And see, if you don't learn to get in that secret place now, when you really need to get in the secret place and spend time with God, you, you won't know how to get there. There'll be, there'll be too much other stuff, right? And so I did. I this morning got up early. Man, I, I, I enjoyed, uh, I, I try to get up early during the week, and I was starting to get up a little later on Sundays, and I thought, you know, if it's good enough for me to get up early Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm just going to get up on the Lord's Day. And I found this out. He's awake at 4 o'clock. He's awake at 4 o'clock. Now, I know some of you don't know what 4 o'clock looks like except 4 in the afternoon, but there is a time on your clock called 4 a.m., and, and, and the Lord's up. If you got up at 2 o'clock, he'd be up. I'm glad he's available to us, aren't you? I want you to turn to Luke 22 this morning, if you would. Luke 22, I want to begin in verse number 24. Now, my daughters will tell you that I am a very competitive person. I don't like to lose. Right? I don't like to lose. I, I like that they call it soul winning. Right? Doesn't mean it's not soul losing. Right? But, but I like to win. And Leah, unfortunately, has gotten that trait from me. We'll put the puzzle together and we'll get to the end and we're racing to see who can put the last puzzle piece in there because we want to win, right? And so there's this, there's this drive that our world has to say you need to be the best. You need to be first, right? And it's not just the world, it's our flesh tells us that we need to be first. We put ourselves first, right? Even you get on an airplane, you know what they tell you? Now listen, if those masks fall down, they even tell you, put yours on first. Why? Because what they're saying is, if, if we're in that bad of shape, if you run out of oxygen, you can't help people around you. See, we've taken that to everything in life. It's about me first. Let me ask you this. Why did you get saved? There's not a person in here that would say, I got saved because I wanted to serve Jesus. You got saved because someone told you that if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're going to spend eternity in a place called hell. Right? That's it. We got saved because we're selfish. Again, don't get me wrong. Hang with me. He knew that about us. But then after we're saved, we're saved to serve. Right? But the problem, Brother Matt, is a lot of people never get past the, I got saved, now God give me all the stuff I want, make my life easier. We never, we want to be first. I mean, even in marriage, you know, and I was telling our Sunday school class this, when people say, say, why do you want to get married? Well, we love each other. We're just in love. Well, that's a dumb reason to get married. You ought to get married because it's God's will for your life. I love him so much because he meets all my needs. But what happens when he doesn't? Well, I'll trade him in on another one. No. See, the thing is, God created you with needs that only he can meet. And to expect a human being to meet those needs is wrong. And why do we do that? Because we want to be first. Right? You get married to serve your spouse. Well, I'm not going to be anybody's doormat. There's your problem. See, the whole I don't want to be anybody's doormat means you don't want to serve anybody or anything. 
And so that is the exact mindset the disciples had in this scripture. They'd walked with Jesus. They'd seen the miracles. They'd seen him serve other people. Yet we come to this portion of scripture and here's the question they ask. They want to know who's going to be first. Verse 24, there was also a strife among them. Which of them should be accounted the greatest? That's interesting, isn't it? That strife means they, they weren't just debating it. They were at each other. They almost hated each other because they wanted to be the greatest. Well, here's the problem. They didn't say who's greatest after you, Jesus. They said who's the greatest. Well, they were in the presence of the greatest. Yet they could not exalt him they wanted to exalt themselves. In another scripture, we know that there were two disciples and even their mother came in and said, now which of these two? I want one on the right-hand side, one on the left-hand side of you. Those places of prominence, those places of importance, right? And so they go on in verse 25. It says, and he, he said unto them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. Notice he said in verse 26, but ye shall not be so. That's not going to be you. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. And he that is chief, as he that does serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat or he that serveth. It's not he that sitteth at meat. He's saying, you, which, is, which is more important, the guy that's being served or the one doing the serving. And in their mind, they're going, well, obviously, the one who's being served, right? I mean, who, who's the one? The, the, you, you see the old, uh, the old movies, uh, the, the queen or the king's laying on that bed, and they've got the fans, and they've got somebody dropping grapes in their mouth. And what he's giving them that type of picture that here is a royalty that everybody is running around trying to serve, and he's, try, he's saying, listen, I'm... I'm starting to show you a new paradigm. I'm showing you that the greatest is the least and the least is the greatest. And he said, let him as the younger and he that is chief as he does serve. For whether is greater he that sitteth at meat or he that serveth is not he that sitteth meat, but I am among you as he that serveth. Huh. Well, they just went through the Lord's... Can you, can you see the picture? They just went through the Lord's Supper. Right. He served them. Right. I mean, he's, he's laying the example, Brother Shane, out to him right there. And he's saying, this is the Messiah. Yeah. This is the one they were following. Yet he served them. And now they turn around and they're saying, which of us is the greatest? That's right. Brother Matt, maybe in their mind they were saying, under you, Jesus. We know you're... But, that's not what they said. And even so, when you look throughout history and you look throughout the Old Testament, how in the world can these guys think that they would have more prominence than Moses or Elijah or Elisha or King David or Solomon? And they're saying, or John the Baptist, right? And so they were feuding about who is going to be first. Kids do that, don't they? Baptists do that around the fellowship table, right? 
We say, well, we're going to let senior saints go first. I've never seen some senior saints move as fast as they do <laughs> than when they get to go first in the food line. And I know some people, Brother Jerry, that would get offended if you called them a senior saint right up until we have a fellowship dinner and all of a sudden they identify with the senior saints. Age is only a number, they'll say, and I feel like I'm 80 years old, so therefore I should be able to move up to the front of the line. Right? And I remember years ago, we'd have fellowship dinners, Brother Johnny, and everybody would wait. They'd stand and wait. We've got to let the pastor go first. And I'm like, just to eat. If I'm the shepherd, you've let the sheep eat before the shepherd, right? Well, may I say this? Some of y'all need to kind of take that mindset too. Right? I mean, I mean, instead of having three plates on the first go-round to make sure you don't miss out, maybe you could let the ones of us in the back of the line get some food too before you... Amen! That's good preaching. Help me there. I mean, I've been to some fellowship dinners, Brother Adam. I had to fast, and it wasn't on purpose because some of the sheep had eaten all the food that was out there. I better go on, right? But the idea of the quest for greatness is a journey that many, I mean, even from a young age, it's like, well, be the best. You got to be the best. You got to be the, you got to be an A-plus student. You got to have a 4.0. You got to have a great, uh, you got to have a great SAT score. And you got to, you got to graduate highest in your class. And if you're a sports, you got to be the best that's ever been. And we put all this pressure and there's nothing wrong with being the best you can be. The problem is, does it glorify God? And see, somewhere in this, in this walk of life, we think that over here is our Christian walk with God, and, and, and that is a section of our life, but over here is my life outside of church, and over here I'm going to do what I want to do, and I want to I move up the company ladder, or I want to be the, the greatest at this, and I want to be a super, whatever it is. But here's the problem. If you are who you say you are, you cannot separate Jesus Christ out of any facet of your life. If you are who you say you are. Because being a Christian is not, I do some rules and I, I go to church. Being a Christian is that I have been radically changed from the inside by the Lord Jesus Christ and now my life is His life, His life is through me and the only reason I'm even here is to glorify God and I don't just do that on Sunday morning, I do it at Monday at the work, at school, or wherever I'm at. Amen. You ought to be the greatest because it glorifies God. You ought to be the greatest because it brings glory to Him, not that it brings glory to you. That's what He's telling them. See, they were, they were looking ahead to the kingdom and saying, well, we know that you're going to rule the kingdom, but who, who's going to be the greatest? Which of us is going to be your right-hand man? Which of us is going to sit in that place of authority? And none of them deserved it. May I say this today? Now, you may get offended if you do. Take it up, Brother Shane, Brother Johnny. They're my bouncers, this one. You don't deserve anything good. And neither do I. I mean, not one thing. You don't deserve the breath you breathe. You don't deserve the, the, the life that you have. The, the best that we deserve is torment in a place called hell. So please tell me how any of us should be boasting about how great we are. Right? We shouldn't boast about how great a church we are, or how great a whatever, great choir. Great. Now, I think we ought to give credit where credit's due, and we ought to make much and encourage each other. But listen, it's not about us. 
We don't tell people what a great church we got. Cause if we're not bringing glory to Jesus in telling about our church, we shouldn't tell about it. Now, I know you got the greatest pastor, but it's, we want to glorify him with it, right? No. You see what I'm saying? And it's not just in the secular realm, Brother Shane. Sometimes even in our Christian walk. By the way, preachers are not immune to it. Who has the greatest following? Who has the most followers? Who gets to preach at the big conferences? Hey, how many of y'all running down there at the church? How many of y'all got now, right? Hey, well, let me tell you what God's doing at our church or my church. That's what I like. My church and my people and my, my pulpit and my choir. It ain't yours. It's his. See, people scheme and manipulate and even destroy the reputation of others to get ahead. There's nothing wrong with being the best we can be for the Lord. We, matter of fact, the Bible teaches us we should be. Can I, can I help you with something? I'm going to break down where Davidson County, us rednecks, can get it. Ready? God don't want you trash. Brother Barry, a lot of times we give the world our best and give God the trash. We want to be the best for the world, for our reputation, but then we give God the trash. wonder what would happen if we gave God our best and gave the world our trash. See, they believe greatness will make them happy or cause others to admire them. And we have a whole society, right? We call them influencers. They're making millions of dollars because they do something on a YouTube channel and people subscribe to it and then all these, uh, all these advertisers want to advertise and so they, all they're doing, and, and a lot of them, let's be they're just silly. They want me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Preachers, look at me. Choir, look at me. Sunday school teachers, look at me. Hey, you know how many times in, in 21 years past and we've had testimony services turned into look at me? Huh? Look at me how bad I've got it. Look at me at all I'm going through. Look at me of all I've done, how much I love Jesus, all I've done for him. Hello? Got quiet. <laughs> Got quiet now. Right? You knew all the right things for the wrong reasons. And so in this position, uh, a portion of Luke, we find the very closest people to Christ feuding to be first. So it, it's not, Brother Eddie, it's not, it doesn't have to be someone who's away from Christ. They were in the very vicinity of him. They walked with him. They were the most intimate with Christ of any of his followers Yet it had infiltrated their circle saying, which of us, and you can see them sizing each other up, probably John the Beloved looks and, you know, Peter, me and you have been with Jesus up on Mount Transfiguration, those old Doubt and Thomas up there. They're probably looking and saying, those guys are out. You know, we've eliminated them, right? They're, they're, they're out. It's probably between us. Jesus question for you. Enjoyed the meal, right? Appreciate the, appreciate the illustration of you shedding your blood and hanging your body on a cross for us. And that's nice and we appreciate it, but we've got a, we've got a very important question we've got to ask you. Which of us is the greatest? Aren't you glad Jesus isn't like us? That's right. 
Because I'd probably look at them and said, y'all are all excluded. None of you, I'm not even taking none of you to heaven. You don't deserve it. Right? Just get out of here. Right? But he, he lays out an illustration. And he does it to humble them. Jesus sets the record straight of what true greatness really is. And here's what he said, and I'll give you these three things quickly. Number one, he, he shows us the priorities of the selfish in verse 24 and 25. They said this, and there was a strife among them. Who cares? You ready for this? Time out. What, look up here at me. Wonder how much of the problems you have with other people, the strife, the battles, the wars, the unforgiveness, the bitterness. Am I, am I making sense now? You know why? Because I'm getting down where you're living. Wonder how much of that would be removed and alleviated if we realized that without him, none of us are anything. If the greatest, maybe the greatest Christian ever walked the face of the earth, the Apostle Paul said, in me and my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Wonder if you and I could look at that and say, you know what? We're pretty wretched. Oh, wretched man that I am. So they said, which of us is the greatest in verse 24? And he said unto them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. So in this, these two verses, he deals with the priorities of us being selfish. And let me say this, we're all born that way. If you've ever had a kid, you realize that the kid doesn't care about anything except eating and sleeping. And they don't care what you're doing. They don't care if you're having a bad day. They don't care if you've got stuff to do. When they get hungry, they let you know. And you've never heard. When they come out and they pop them and they go, ah, you go, oh, that's so cute. And then about 3 o'clock in the morning, it is no longer cute. They don't care what you got planned. They care about eating and sleeping when they want to, right? And you know that going in. And it doesn't change, right? Because then you take them somewhere and they, and they, they take their first steps. You go, oh, they're the smartest kid that's ever walked the face of the earth. And you take them and put them around other kids. You know, they love Jesus. I think they're saved already. I think they've already accepted him as their savior. And they're exhibiting the signs of Christ in their life. And you put them in the nursery at church. And the kids got something they want. And they grab it and they say, mine. Yeah, they're just like Jesus, all right. And it's their flesh. And some of you, don't talk about my kid that way. Just get real. They're not perfect. And then they grow up to be teenagers and they're less perfect. Then they grow up to be young adults and they're less perfect. And then they grow up to be middle-aged adults and they're even less perfect. And then they get to be old adults and they're less perfect in us there's nothing good we're selfish but God saved us anyway and somewhere down inside of us if you're saved there's the spirit of God 
And the Spirit of God is fighting against this flesh to say, listen, you don't have to be selfish. You need to be more like Christ. And Christ was telling his disciples, the inner circle, listen, don't worry about being greatest. I'm going to give you an illustration to show you what greatness really looks like. And what he's really doing is pointing back to himself saying, look, I just served y'all. I just showed you what you were supposed to do. Now, stop with me, time out for two seconds, and let's, let's visualize this. You say, what are we visualizing? I'll tell you what we're visualizing. A body of believers that would act like Christ and serve one another. Can we... Can we just give an altar call now and everybody come to the altar? You, you know what would happen if that took place? If we were all filled with the Spirit of God like we're supposed to be and would serve like Christ served, there would never be one cross word in church. There would never be, they sang my song. There would never be, why do they get to teach and I don't get to teach? There would never be, that's my seat. Right? There would never be, I've got to be first in line. There would never be that. But you know why there is? Because we still got this stuff. And this stuff says be selfish. This stuff says I don't get what I deserve. This stuff says I'm entitled to more than what I have. Right? And Jesus is trying to say if anybody could be that way, it'd be him. And there's some priorities that are laid out that every one of us in our selfish nature have. And that first one is called pride. Yes, sir. And this world tells you to have pride. That's right. Be proud of what you do. You ought to be proud of yourself. You worked hard. You ought to, you ought to listen, you, I'm proud of you, right? That's good. And we'll say, well, there's good pride and bad pride. Really? Where's that in your Bible? Pride cometh before destruction. Pride God hates. You say, well, shouldn't we, shouldn't we be proud of doing a good job? No, we shouldn't. Because we should be doing a good job to exalt the Savior. We should be doing a good job because in all things that we do, we're to honor God. We're to do all for the glory of God. And so even when I do something good, I shouldn't go, well, listen, y'all. Right? I didn't do it. He did it through me. So we think we are more than we are. Brother Gary, I know, listen, you don't have to convince me. You come up and say, preacher, you know, there's a lot of preachers better than you. I know that. I'll be the first to tell you, and I can name some of them. Man, I tell you, can I help you with something? I told a preacher this. We were talking. I said, you know how much liberty there is when I, don't, when I figured out I don't have to compare myself to anybody else? I don't have to be Bobby Robertson or Ralph Sexton or Clarence Sexton or Paul Chappell or B.R. Lakin. I don't have to be any of them. That's, I'm not Harold Seitler, never will be, amen. Currytown Baptist Church is not gospelite. And we're not, uh, uh, we're not tabernacle. We're just us. And for some reason, God looked at me and said, he may not be that, but I can use him, praise God. So I don't have to walk around asking people how big their church is, how many they're running. What, what do you, it doesn't matter to me. 
I'm just here. You know, it used to bother me. Brother John, it used to bother me. I, I thought, well, I, I want to preach more revival meetings. I don't know why Brother so-and-so, I'm a better preacher than he is. He's preaching all these revival meetings. I just realized this. God called me to pastor this church. And if I never preach a revival meeting, I'm all right with that. I mean, I kind of like y'all. I kind of like this pulpit. I kind of like being in our church. I, I, I don't have to be gone all the time. And I've realized that the only reason that I would do that, and if God wants to use me, you know what, I'll go. But i got to check my motives at the door because if I do it for any other reason that God wants me to do it and I want to glorify him, it's called pride. And if you're doing anything you're doing, whether it be at work or school or at home or sports or whatever it is, for any other reason but to glorify God, and you say, I want to be the best, why do you want to be the best? If it's not to glorify God, it's pride. And there's no good pride. No good pride, right? And so they say, well, Lord, we want, who's the greatest? Greatest. The, who is the pinnacle, right? Not who's, who does good. Not who is great. Greatest means the top. Then there's the passion for power. Why would they want to know that? Well, it wasn't, they want it because there's a thirst for power. You know, you know what's going on in this world? It's a thirst for power. That's right. right? Power will not satisfy. Money will not satisfy. Control will not quench. Admiration will not bring happiness. Doesn't matter how many of these you get. There's always going to be this hole inside of you, young person, until you come to know Jesus Christ. You can be the greatest influencer, have 15,000 million followers and have 25,000 gram followers, whatever. It doesn't matter. You're never going to fill the hole inside of you until you meet Jesus Christ. By the way, some of you, you middle-aged ladies and men, you need to learn that too. I'm just going to go here while I'm there. I don't condone it, but I understand why some of these teenagers and young people do what they do because their brain isn't formed. It's not fully formed. And that they hadn't figured out that they can be secure in Jesus Christ. But some of you middle-aged ladies and men, you should have already figured that out. So some of the garbage you post on your social media to get attention... You ought to be ashamed of yourself and you ought to go on there and apologize because you're definitely not exalting Christ in what you put on there. Amen. Why do we do that? Because there's a passion for power. And then there's a proving. They wanted to prove their worth to themselves and others. That's why the strife was there. Listen, the Lord Jesus knew all about who they were, but they were trying to prove to each other and to themselves that they were something, right? Listen, if you're secure in Jesus Christ, you don't have to prove that to anybody. You don't have to run around and tell me how good you are and all you've done for Christ. We just need to make much of Jesus Christ. I'm secure in him by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen, if you're saved today, you're a child of the king. 
Hallelujah. I don't, I don't have to prove how much I got. Amen. Because I've got everything Jesus has got this morning. Then there's a possessiveness. Those that are selfish, there's a jealousy over what someone else has or someone else does or who they are. We want to be what someone else is. We ought to be content with what God gives us. Right? Just be content where you are. Amen? I sure would like to have a bigger house. Why? Why? I mean, if you got more kids and all of them sleeping in the same bed, I understand that. But why you want a bigger house? It's two of it's two of you. Because I want to prove to everybody that I'm successful. Whosoever shall gain the whole world, right? See, there's some people, if I had all the money. But what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? There's me rich people in hell or poor people. There's me Baptists in hell or Methodists. There's many, quote, unquote, I said the prayer when I was eight years old in hell than those that have never darkened the door of a church. Right? What what are you really gaining by having everything? You're just going to leave it to somebody else when you're gone. You ain't taking it with you. Yeah, but I'll enjoy it while I'm here. No, I bet you won't. Did you, did you hear Matthew Perry died yesterday? No, I don't know what they're saying. It was accidental, whatever. But I read an article he, that here's a guy who was very successful as a, a cast member of the show Friends. Was on for years and years and years. And then reading down the article, it didn't say it was drug-related, but it did say in his, in his life he had problems with drugs and alcohol. Yeah. He had all kinds of money. It didn't sound like he was too happy. Right. Right? right? I want what they got. Right? That's what these guys were saying. Right. Whichever, whichever of them, Lord, is the greatest, I want it. Right? What do you want? Well, I just want to be happy. Sounds good to me. How are you going to do that? Well, I just want enough. I just want to earn enough to where I've got food in the in the pantry and I got clothes on my back and got a roof over my That's all I want. But what if you don't have that? How much is enough? We may find out. May find out. So you have the, the priorities of the selfish. But number two, notice in verse 26, he gives the priorities of the servant. Here's what he said. But ye shall not be so. He said, all this stuff going on, that's not going to be you if you follow me. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. And he that is chief, he that does serve. Well, it's interesting because he, he takes an adult and said, if you're going to be the grace, you're going to be like that kid. That's right. And he takes people that he just served. And said, if you're going to be great, you're going to be like the server. That's right. 
So in the priorities of the servant, if you're going to be the servant, where the priorities of the selfish is about me, notice the, the, the difference, okay? And I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm moving. There must be humility. Notice the dichotomy, and what I mean by that is what seems to be opposite, right? The dichotomy, what seems to be opposite, the humility is this. The greatest is the youngest, Right? He that is chief is the one who serves. Right? It is the opposite of man's values. It's the opposite of the world's values. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm teaching you to be servants. That's what, listen to me. That's what a church ought to be is servants. You ought to serve each other. You ought to serve the Lord. You ought to serve the community. I say you, I mean all of us, not come to church to be served. I just want to come be fed. Well, who are you feeding? See, if you're coming to be fed, who are you taking the food out there to? Right? Because a lot of times when you say I come to be fed, what you're saying is I'm selfish and I just want you to fix my problem and I want you to encourage me, but I'm not going to do it to anybody else. Right? Humility is I'm nothing and I want to serve other people, God, if you'll let me, so you get glory. Then there's the help, the greatest. He's saying the greatest of you is going to be a helper. We don't like that word. Right? We don't... We had to change terminology, right? When I was when I was coming up, I worked for electrician, brother Kenneth, and I he I was the electrician helper. That's bad now. You got to be the electrician apprentice, right? Got to be the apprentice in training, right? You. St- I, here, I, was a, I was a gopher. Go get that for me. I remember when Miss Ellen first got married, I worked at the rock quarry. I was green, man. I, I didn't know nothing. They put me in one of them big old rock trucks. And this guy said, now you sit in that seat. I'm going to show you how to drive it. So I'm thinking, all right, this is going to be fun to learn. Now, I mean, this baby, the tires were taller than I was. They'd load you in rocks, and you'd go up this hill. Then you'd come back, you'd dump it. Right, you had to back it up. You had to back it up just right. Cause if you went too far, right, and then you had to pull the lever and it dumped the rock in the in the uh, crusher, and then you went back down there. I thought I'm gonna have a few days of training. My old buddy Reggie trained me two times up the hill. I said, "You got it now?" <laughs> sure. <laughs> right. And then we had to do maintenance one day. We shut the plant down, and I was helping this guy, and he said, I need you to go up to the uh, shop. He said, I need you to tell him to give you a rock stretcher. <laughs> and I said, I ain't no such thing as a rock stretcher. He said, yeah. I got. Another guy came up, new guy, and said, now go up to the shop and ask him to send you down here with a rock stretcher. Well, he didn't know there was no such thing as a rock stretcher. So he went up and asked for some of you. said, what's that? There's no, you don't stretch rocks. But you know how I learned you know how I learned to weld? I helped this old guy. And for a long time he said, You take that grinder, if you don't know what a grinder is, it's this 
metal wheel that you rub on metal at a high rate of speed and it throws sparks back in your face. And if you don't have protection on your face, it deforms you. That's, what, that's why I look like this. He said, your job is to make that weld flat. I remember Brother John A's weld, and I said, you know, if you'd weld better, I wouldn't have to grind. He said, your job is to make me look good. Get down there and grind. Until he thought I was ready to learn. I was a helper. I heard a guy say this one time. He said, you're either pastoring a church or you're helping pastor a church. Well, in this particular one, God's put me to pastor. So your responsibility as church is to help me pastor the church. That means edifying each other, lifting each other up, going out there and telling people about Jesus and helping with the bus ministry and helping with the choir and helping where it needs to be. That's what we're here for, helpers, right? That's what we're here for. That's why Jesus had those disciples. They were never going to be the Messiah. Matter of fact, just a few days, he's going to be gone, and he leaves them the work to do after he's trained them. And, and so the priorities of the servant is I just want to be a help somewhere. I don't, have to, I don't have to be the one behind the pulpit. Just tell me where I can help. Need me to plant some flowers? I'll do it. Need me to clean the bathroom? I got that, preacher. Amen. Where can I be a help in the ministry of the Lord Jesus? And then the honor. We are honored when we honor others. We're honored when we honor Christ. That's what they're there for, to bring much, much praise to Jesus. That's what we're here for. And here's, in closing, here, here's how he sums it up. He, he told them all that. He said, first part, here's the priorities of selfish people. Here's the priority of servants. But notice what he said in verse 27. For whether is greater he that sitteth at meat or he that serveth. It's not he that sitteth at meat, but he said, but I'm among you as he that serveth. He said, I just showed you. I sat you down. I fed you. I served you. Right? He said, you're they which have continued with me in my temptation, in my trials. I appoint unto you a kingdom as my father hath pointed unto me. So here, here's what he's saying. The priorities of the Savior. He said, I'm giving you the example. Right. Isn't that good to know Jesus never asked you to do anything he didn't do himself? So what did he do? Well, the priorities of the Savior were service. Yes. Yes. Not only did he feed them, remember when he washed their feet? That's right. You say, well, I'd never wash him by his feet. Bingo. That's right. Amen. The, it's, the act of washing my feet in that day was the lowest right. form of servitude. See, you're never going to be great because you won't do the least thing. But Jesus did it. Now, he may not call you to physically wash somebody's feet. But the picture is there that whatever needs to be done is not beneath you. Hey. Brother Johnny. Brother Jerry Glenn, y'all ever seen me swab a toilet around here? Do some mopping? So if somebody ever asks you, hey, you mind mopping it? 
I'm not the custodian. I'm not the custodian. We're all the custodians. How many times have been trash sitting there and wonder who threw that down? I don't know, but I know who should pick it up. Right? Can you believe all the paper that's left in these hymnal holders? Nope. I also can't believe that people would see them and not get it out. Where are you serving at? See, part of being a part of the body of Christ is figuring out where you can serve, not be served. Right? So Jesus is given the example of service, but then also he's given the example of steadfastness and steadiness. We've got to continue with him. It is required in a steward that a man be found what? Faithful. Well done, good, and faithful. We're not to grow weary in well-doing. So Jesus just went along doing the Father's will. He's heading to Calvary. Serve the disciples, gives them the example. Then all of a sudden, after all this is done, you think to go, you know what, Jesus, we need to be just like you. We're going to go out and serve people. Nope. You know why? Because they're made out of the same stuff we are. Probably, maybe, they got done eating and they're all sitting there at the table. Boy, that was good. Sure was. Just fellowshipping. You got Jesus getting the plates. Take them over there and washing them. Jesus, you mind not taking that cup? I'm not, I'm not done with mine yet. Right? I'm not. We're still talking here. He's over there serving and they look and say, you know, me and Peter, we were up on Mount Transfiguration. We've seen some stuff you guys didn't get to see. So you know we're going to be we're going to be top dogs when the kingdom comes in, right? Jesus, you, you missed. There's a plate. I'm done. Jesus, I'm done now. You might get mine. Get mine. How long is it going to take you to, to wash those dishes so we can, we got some stuff we'd like to do? Oh, I'd like to hang around and help you, but I got to get my nap in. Sound familiar? Right? Not, do you need help with the dishes? Here, Jesus, creator of the universe, the virgin born. Son of God, the Messiah, King of kings and Lord of lords, you sit down and let us do this. They just look at him and say, which of us is going to be the greatest? And we do the same today. The few to be first. When all of us deserve hell. 
God allows us. Allows us to be part of his work. If you're here today and you don't know him as your savior. May I say you're not even in the family yet. But you can be. Because he did all that on his way to Calvary. To die for you. But some of you that's been saved for a while. Can I just, I'll say this, I'm done. You've been enjoying the meal way too long. And it's about time for you to start serving. Because you know what's going to turn this world upside down, this community upside down? A church that's on fire for God that's out there serving. Serving in here and serving out there. But we're all serving him. Stand together. Amen. Let's bow our heads this morning. Thank you for your attention. No one's looking around. The altar's open. It's open to you. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. No one's looking. No one's looking at me. I want you to do this. Would you slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I need you to pray for me because if I died right now, this moment, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. I need you to pray for me. Is there one? Just be honest. Be honest with God. Is there one? If I died right now, I don't know that I'd go to heaven. Will you pray for me? Come on. You're here this morning. You say, well, I'm saved on my way to heaven. But you're not serving. You're selfish. You know, we don't want to admit that. I know our flesh, we, it's all about me, all about me. Maybe God spoke to your heart this morning. Why don't you come to this altar? Maybe you just need to say, God, I give it all to you. I know what I've done, know who I am. But I want your, I want to be like you. I'm not fulfilled. I'm not content. I'm not happy. Well, you can be. You know, some of the happiest people in the world have little possessions. Some of the most miserable have what we would consider have it all. It's peace. Do you have peace? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning thankful for what you've done in our hearts and the example you've set for us to be servants. Thank you for every person here, every decision that's been made for you. Continue to use us. and Thank you for Calvary. How unworthy we are, but we're thankful. You've been good to us. Help us to worship you and praise you. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.